pray. Jesus, we want to thank you so much for your love. Lord, we just pray for these next few moments, Lord, that you'll um, speak and change our lives, Lord God. And I want to pray as well for our healthcare workers right now. Father, I just pray you'll strengthen them, especially those in our church. Lord, may they know, Father, that they are the hands and feet of you, Lord God. And I just pray they'll know it's through the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, that they can go and love in Jesus' name. And so, Lord, come, move powerfully for the rest of this service, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. My name's Tamara, I'm 21, and I'm here to share my testimony. For much of my life, I walked alone, trying to face the struggles of this world with nothing but my own strength. As a teenager, I found life to be hard, and I experienced so much sadness. Throughout high school, I would find myself feeling empty, and although at the time I didn't know it, I was missing something. I thought what I was going through was normal. I thought the deep sadness and loneliness that I felt happened to everyone. I tried to fill that longing with whatever I could, including friends who encouraged me to make bad decisions. Decisions that gave me brief happiness and left me feeling worse than ever afterwards. In 2014, I made the life-changing decision to move. This was a tough decision that resulted in change in almost every aspect of my life. It meant saying goodbye to my mum, my sister, my stepdad, moving into a new house and moving to a new school. At the time, this was so hard, but looking back, I can see how God was helping me and guiding me even then. At my new school, I met some wonderful souls who invited me to attend Switch here at Bridgie. I eagerly attended for a couple months in grade 12. However, after graduating, I moved on with my life. I was too old for youth group, and attending a service just didn't seem like an option. God didn't leave me there, though. He continued to fight for me. And this was clear to me through the people he placed in my life to witness to me. After school, I got a job in a childcare center, where I eventually met Abby. She shared with us how she was a Christian and how that shaped her life including attending church here at Bridgman Baptist. Upon hearing this familiar name, I felt comfortable enough to ask her some questions, to which she invited me to attend a service here at Bridgie, which I did. Resurrection Sunday, that's, that's what we're here for. I, I mean, it, it really is the culmination of, of everything that, that Jesus has done. And I know what you're thinking, but that's not when I accepted Jesus into my life. I got scared, and I didn't think I could do it. God didn't leave me there, though. He continued to fight for me. Although I turned away from God that night, He never turned away from me. He continued to guide me and love me. A year later, I found I had some questions. So I asked Abby, to which she invited me back to another service. What He wants now is for us to take up this call to love Him and others, as we take up the responsibility on our front lines. This time, coming to church just felt so right. I won't say that I wasn't scared, because I was. In fact, I felt anxious for a long time coming here. But God knew my fears, and He surrounded me with kind, generous people who welcomed and accepted me as their friend. He placed people in my life, both here at church and in the most unexpected places, like a blessed uni, who helped me and guided me towards him.
God fought for me. He chased me down. He left the 99 for me. Even when I hurt him, even when I turned away, he continued to fight for me because that's how much he loves us. I want to bring glory to God for the amazing things he's done and will continue to do until the time that he calls me home. I now walk hand in hand with Jesus. I know that if I stumble, he will catch me. If I fall, he will lead me back. If I grow tired and weary, he will give me his strength. It is for his glory that I am here this Easter to share with you the change that has taken place in my heart. Hey, welcome out to church. It's so good to be sharing with you on Easter Sunday. And isn't that just a powerful story of God's transforming love? What I love is that Easter Sunday two years ago was Tamara's first ever service. And here she is sharing her story of a transformed life two years later. As I said, I wanna welcome you to our Easter Sunday PM service. Whether you're part of this church or whether you're tuning in, um, whether you've just stumbled across this link on Facebook, you're so welcome to be with us tonight as we celebrate the historic event of Jesus's resurrection. My name is Trav. I work as a youth worker here at Bridgman looking after the Friday night Switch Youth Ministry. And I have to tell you, if you think church looks different these days, you should see how youth ministry looks. For one, we are podcasting. If you're a switcher or maybe you're a switcher at heart or you've always wondered what a youth group podcast sounds like, you can check us out on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I personally never thought that our youth group would look like two guys in a room sitting across 1.5 metres, of course, across from each other and chatting, but that is what it has become. It's undeniable that this season has brought about many, many changes to our work lives, our study lives and our social lives. We are suddenly seeing the world from a perspective that we've never, ever seen. And we're actually starting to see others from a perspective that we've never seen before either. For those working from home, you may be seeing your partners in a very different light than you're used to. And you may be shocked to see that they are very different people at work than they are at home. Here are just some people's experiences so far. Someone said, hearing my wife in meetings, especially with subordinates, and it dawns on me that she uses personnel management techniques on me all the time. Another, my partner is laid back and chilled about everything, never has much of an opinion or argument, but apparently at work, he's super competent and speaks up and gets things done. It's very disorienting, she writes. Another, my wife works from home full time, but I remember the day I realized that she was the one more question person at the end of meetings. I was shook. Now, just so you're aware, shook is a millennial term for shocked. And in response to these, someone just writes simply, I'm married to just to clarify. It's true for all of us. The coronavirus pandemic is an event that whether we like it or not, has forced us to see things from a very different perspective. It has also forced a collective sense of uncertainty upon us. You know, what was true last week is no longer this week and it will continue to be like this. It can be so hard to know what information to believe, who to believe and who to trust. So it's fitting that tonight we celebrate Jesus' resurrection together in this time 
Because as Christians, we know that Jesus' resurrection never changes. It is always true. It is always trustworthy. And it is always life-giving. And while this new perspective we have from coronavirus at the moment brings uncertainty, anxiety, and fear, the perspective of Jesus' resurrection brings with it steadfast assurance, hope, and peace to our lives. So let's read together from 1 Corinthians 15, verses 12 to 22. Now, this text is an ancient letter which was written by a man named Paul to an established church in the city of Corinth. It says, But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Tim Keller, an influential pastor and Christian author for over 30 years, gave this illustration when preaching on the resurrection. He said, if you received in the letter a mail from a law firm where it had the official print, logo and letterhead, and that letter said that a distant relative of yours that you had never met had died and left you with millions and millions of dollars, it's likely you'd be pretty sceptical. Even if it didn't come through your social media as a spam email, as a phone call, you would still be extremely sceptical. But you would look into it. You wouldn't just take that letter and throw it away. Why? Because the offer is just too great. Not to at least look into. Keller goes on to say the resurrection of Jesus Christ is just like that. The offer is too great to not at least look into. Well, you might be wondering, what is the offer? Well, the offer is eternal life. The offer is reassurance that while death may come to our physical bodies here on earth, we will live for eternity in heaven with our creator in new resurrected bodies. In Luke 6.40, before his death and resurrection, Jesus says, for my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life and I will raise them up at the last day. How is this possible? It's only through the resurrection. 
In this passage, Paul makes it very clear that the resurrection is integral to our salvation. Yet, some Christians from Corinth still believed that there was no bodily resurrection of Jesus, but that they were still saved. And Paul's saying, no, don't you see? If Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. The whole thing is for nothing if Jesus isn't raised from the dead. Furthermore, Paul makes it clear to the church of Corinth that they cannot believe both that there is no bodily resurrection and that Jesus can save them from their sin. He's saying without Jesus rising, there would be no way that we can claim that we are saved from our sins. It just doesn't work. It would be like baking banana bread without bananas. You couldn't really claim to have made banana bread if you haven't actually put bananas in there. It's really just bread. It's fine to eat still, but definitely not the banana bread that you claim it to be. Or deeper yet, if you can imagine that you are on a boat without an engine and you are lost at sea, you haven't seen anyone in days, you are hungry, you are thirsty, and you are losing hope. Suddenly, you see another boat in the distance And as the waves naturally bring you closer, you can see that the boat is bigger. It has cabins. There's even couches and a TV. You get into it and it's much more comfortable than your old boat. In fact, it would have to be the nicest boat you have ever been in. But as you're walking around, checking out the new boat, you notice that like your previous boat, it still has no engine. It is much nicer than your old boat but you're just as stuck as you were before. It would then be utterly foolish of you to sit down, kick your feet up, believing that your prayers have been answered and that you are on your way to safety because without an engine, you are still lost at sea. Without the resurrection, we are still lost in our sin. Without the resurrection, Jesus was just a good moral teacher and nothing more. Without the resurrection, whilst we might have Jesus's moral teaching, our sins haven't been forgiven. And just as the analogy, if there's no motor, we are still well and truly lost. Paul is making it so clear here that we cannot gloss over the importance of the resurrection We can't claim to be forgiven if we don't claim that Jesus rose again. But of course, tonight, we don't believe that. We are celebrating and rejoicing that Jesus did in fact rise from the dead. So with the resurrection, our sins are forgiven. And Paul's letter lays out the truth for us to grab hold of here tonight. The truth is Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. Therefore, the dead are raised And putting our faith in Christ is not useless. It saves us from our sin. Through the resurrection of Jesus, we are saved. The boat has an engine that will carry us to safety. Now, Paul finishes this section by saying, in Christ, all will be made alive. And I'm sure if highlighters were around when Paul was writing this letter, he would have gone to town on this part to make sure the church of Corinth knew this truth. And this is the word 
for us tonight, church. Even as we are currently in isolation, in Christ, all will be made alive. We need to remember this truth, not just once a year, but daily, hourly. In fact, every second, we must remember that truth. Yet, I understand that what Paul is writing here requires some assumptions. It requires that we believe that the resurrection in fact happened, which maybe for you tonight is a huge leap. A recent study in Great Britain surveyed 2,000 people and found that just over 50% of active Christians believe in the resurrection. And more than 80% of the general public, i.e. the non-Christians, don't believe in the resurrection at all. Now, admittedly, when I first started coming to church at the age of 16, I was incredibly sceptical about the authenticity of the Bible, which made me incredibly sceptical of Jesus's resurrection. I thought that a lot of Christians just chose not to, just chose to believe rather, instead of looking at evidence, which I later came to know was totally wrong. So firstly, we need to make an informed decision about whether Jesus was actually raised from the dead. And when we're looking at the scripture from Corinthians that we just read, it's clear that Paul is not talking about a resuscitated Jesus, but a resurrected Jesus. There are many times in the Bible where we see God resuscitate and restore life. But those people who were revived eventually died later. Resurrection is brand new completely different to this. It has never been seen before. Resurrection is a brand new life free from sin and death. And this had never been seen before and has never been seen since. The fact that to date, approximately 100 billion people have lived and died and not one of them has returned to life makes this extremely miraculous. It is a one in a hundred billion event. No wonder even those people who physically saw Jesus after his resurrection had trouble fathoming this. When Thomas, one of Jesus' disciples, was told by the others that Jesus had risen, he said that he wouldn't believe it was real until he could physically touch Jesus, a sentiment that I believe we all would share. When Jesus embraced Thomas, though, he said, Jesus said, "'Because you have seen me, you have believed.'" Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus was very aware himself that this was an unbelievable, unprecedented event. But to be clear, this event is not based on opinion. Secular historians and Christian historians both agree on these facts. They both agree that Jesus was crucified, that Jesus was buried, that the tomb was found empty, i.e. Jesus' body was gone, that over 500 people claimed to have interacted and experienced Jesus after his death and that the church progressed and expanded following the resurrection. That's what they both agree upon. Now you might hear those facts and go, well, there's hundreds of different explanations for that. That doesn't mean Jesus was truly resurrected. You might say, well, surely those people who saw Jesus were just seeing what they wanted to see. They were hallucinating. Well, a hallucination by definition is a flaw in an individual's brain and not something a multitude of people can experience at the same time. Maybe if just one had seen Jesus, 
and it was just them with no onlookers, then of course we could consider the possibility that it was a hallucination. But there are 13 accounts of people seeing Jesus at different times. A group of 500 all see Jesus at the same time. Surely that dispels any theory of a mass hallucination. Well, then you, logically you might think if they weren't hallucinating, then surely all those people were lying. Maybe the disciples just took the body from the tomb. You know, the old conspiracy theory. But this theory runs into trouble when we consider what happens many years after the resurrection. Jesus' own brother, James, didn't believe in Jesus' ministry the whole time he was alive. John 7, 5 says not even his brothers believed Jesus. James was one of those brothers. He wasn't even present during the crucifixion. Yet after James saw Jesus in resurrected form, he not only believed in Jesus and changed his ways, but he became a leader of the Jerusalem church and was later killed for his faith. If he was truly faking his beliefs in Jesus' resurrection, why was he willing to die for them? If he was lying, why was he so radically transformed after seeing Jesus? And why then did he not just admit his lies when he was sentenced to be stoned to death? Surely if there was a great conspiracy, James would admit it as soon as his life was at risk, like we all would. But this doesn't just go for James, but for all those who were martyred for their faith in the gospel for years to come, still to this day. Another is the author of the letter to the Corinthians, the Apostle Paul. Prior to seeing the resurrected Christ, Paul was known as Saul at the time and was a Jew who led the persecution and killing of Christians. By no account in the Bible did Paul ever meet Jesus before his resurrection. Yet Jesus in his resurrected form appeared to Paul and the other men who were traveling with Paul and Paul was completely transformed. He stopped persecuting Christians and began to preach the gospel, the very thing that he fought so hard against. And he became one of the most passionate communicators of the Christian faith. As one author puts it, Paul went from a respected, powerful member of the Jewish leadership to a near vagrant, constantly working, traveling and preaching with occasional breaks for prison. Not exactly a life you would choose to live if you weren't convinced that you had seen the resurrected Christ. Now, these are just two examples of people who had no earthly rewards to gain from believing in Jesus and, have had, and had no interest in changing their ways until seeing the risen Jesus. James had to have known about the miracles that Jesus performed and Paul would have certainly heard as well but neither were transformed until meeting the resurrected Christ. We then, of course, have the evidence of the fact that 2,000 years on, the church has expanded and progressed in far greater ways than a lie or hallucination could ever conceive. Shortly after the resurrection, a wise and respected Jewish teacher gave this advice when the apostles were arrested for preaching the good news. He said, leave these men alone, let them go. For if their purpose or activity 
is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. As the teacher puts it, if the resurrection were truly a man-made lie, a myth, a hallucination, a conspiracy, it would be of human origin and it would fail like many myths and lies before it. Yet if we take a look at the growth of Christianity in recent times, we can see that it has definitely not failed. In the last century, Christianity grew at twice the rate of population in Asia. Asia's Christian population of 350 million is projected to grow to 460 million by 2025. Over the past 100 years, Christians grew from less than 10% of Africa's population to well over 40%, reaching 500 million today. And according to a report from the National Catholic Reporter, 10,000 Chinese people become Christians each day. And it's predicted that by 2030, China's total Christian population would exceed 247 million, placing it above Mexico, Brazil, and the US as the largest Christian congregation in the world. What can explain the dramatic shifts and spreading of Christianity if not for a movement of divine power? It is the truth that the only theory that ties all of these pieces of evidence together is that Jesus is the Son of God. He was crucified and he rose again. Now, I do understand that those are only some of the pieces of evidence. And I do ask that if you, if you still have questions about the validity of the resurrection, that you will continue to seek answers. You will find the resurrection to be incredibly rational and satisfying. I said at the start that the resurrection gives us steadfast assurance hope and peace to our lives. And you might be wondering how, how that is. Well, to illustrate this, when I first moved out of home, I had lots to learn. One of the first things I learned was organisation. I had to keep my things organised. I had to know where I put everything because there would be no one to tell me where my things were if they were lost. Particularly, I learned the importance of keeping track of my receipts. Now, it feels like in this day and age, receipt keeping is an ancient practice. And I'm well aware that there are many apps out there which can help you to keep your receipt keeping, um, your receipt affairs in order. But it's one of those boring, responsible adult things you do, which seems pointless and nitpicky until you need to return a faulty item. Only then are you filled with joy and thankfulness to your past self as you easily locate and provide that receipt for a pair of Nike Air Max shoes that came apart the day after you got them. And as funny as it sounds, the receipt provides you with assurance and promise. It proves that the thing you bought was actually paid for. It proves that you are no longer in debt for something. Well, the resurrection 
is the receipt for the price of sin that Jesus paid for us. It provides us with the assurance that when he said on the cross, it is finished, we can know that it is finished. We can know that we are no longer in debt to sin. The fact that Jesus rose again means that death could not hold him down. He has had victory over death. So we too can share in that victory. We can trust Jesus. We can trust that he was who he said he was, the son of God. Now Romans 1.4 tells us that Jesus was declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Which means tonight we don't serve a God who is dead. We serve a God who has risen, who is alive and who is with us. Therefore, we can take heart, church. We can celebrate and rejoice for Jesus has fulfilled his promise and indeed conquered sin and death forever. If we believe in the Son, we can be certain that we are going to spend eternity in heaven with God. And it's only through Jesus, in fact, that we can be in right relationship with God and have eternal life. A lot of us think that our ticket to heaven is to be a good person or to have tried our best on earth. It's true that most of us would consider ourselves to be generally good people. But the truth is that we have all sinned. In the eyes of our perfect God, we have all fallen short. And when God first created the world, it was in a perfect state and we were in perfect relationship with him. But we were not forced to love God in return. He gave us free will. And we exercised that free will and we went our own way instead of what God wanted for us. This is sin. And in essence, we cut ourselves from God who is the source of life and everything that is good. And if we've cut ourselves off from life, then the natural result is death, both spiritually and physically. Therefore, we know that the wages of sin is death. That's the result of sin. But God was not content with our situation. His plan was never to desert us. Instead, he sent his son, Jesus, who entered the world and lived without sin always in step with the Father. He lived the perfect life that we couldn't. Why? Well, as we saw on Easter Friday, Jesus was put on the cross and crucified. His perfect union with the Father was broken and he was separated from God. Why? So that he could bear the consequence of our sin in order that we could have restored relationship with God. And the resurrection gives us the steadfast assurance that that is true. Jesus did in fact pay for our sins and rose again. Therefore, the natural consequence of having assurance is that we have great hope. Hope amidst dark and troubling times and a hope for eternal life. A hope that seeps into all parts of our life that isn't squashed by external circumstances or what we're going through, that doesn't stop based on whether we feel like it's still there or not. It's a hope that's far greater than ourselves. 
And finally, the resurrection of Jesus brings us peace. In these times of coronavirus, I've struggled to come to terms with this feeling in myself that I've found so hard to define. It wasn't until I was sent an article, which was an interview with David Kessler, the author of The Five Stages of Loss, which describes that feeling as anticipatory grief. It's described as where the mind goes to the future and imagines the worst. Kessler says of our current situation, we're feeling a number of different griefs. We feel that the world has changed and it has. We know this is temporary, but it doesn't feel that way. And we realise things will be different. Just as going to the airport is forever different from how it was before 9-11, things will change and this is the point at which they changed. The loss of normalcy, the fear of economic toll, the loss of connection. This is hitting us and we're grieving collectively. And we're not used to this kind of collective grief in the air. And when I read this, I couldn't think of a better time than Easter Sunday to turn our eyes and hearts to the cross where Jesus felt the ultimate grief, where he felt the ultimate loss of connection for our sake. Yet he came out victorious. He rose again. Church, if we receive assurance and hope through Jesus's victory, through his resurrection, then we also receive his peace, which surpasses all understanding. Philippians 4, 7 tells us this. And so God's assurance to us through the resurrection is assurance of our place in eternity. Hope amidst dark and troubling times and waves upon waves of peace. My prayer for you tonight is if, if you have never put your faith and trust and come into relationship with Jesus before, that you would do so tonight. That you would come and know the love that is on offer for you. Come and receive his truth and eternal life. And so I want to give you an opportunity right now, if that's you, if you want to place your life in the hands of Jesus, that you would pray with me right now. Let's pray. Jesus, I know that I am a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn away from a life that's lived without you and I invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Saviour. Amen. You prayed that prayer, you gotta know it's not the prayer that saves you, it's the it's the belief in Jesus. It's it's speaking that He is Lord and Saviour of your life. But if you prayed that prayer, we would love to connect with you. Um, you can click on the respond to Jesus link if you're on Bridgman.live, um, or you can click on the link in the YouTube and Facebook description. Or if, if none of that works, you can you can email us. We would just love to connect with you in this journey.
But for those who believe that Christ was raised from the dead, today is a celebration. So we need to take heart and rejoice in His good news that He is alive and Lord over all things. Rejoice daily, rejoice hourly in this truth. Allow it to be the cornerstone of your identity. Allow it to be the way you make sense of turbulent times. Allow it to shape who you are. And as we come now to worship and give glory through song to Him, I pray we do so with all that we have. Just like Jesus poured Himself out on the cross, we too can pour ourselves out in worship to Him tonight. Let's pray together as we give thanks. Lord God, we thank You that You are alive, that You rose again, and that You defeated sin and the grave once for all. We thank You that through You, we have hope, we have peace, and we have assurance of eternal life. Thank You that this is something that will never fade, never grow mundane, and will never stop giving life to us. Lord, I pray as well for any of those who have put their faith and trust in You tonight, May they be filled by your Holy Spirit who provides wonder and sustenance to our souls. And may they be given a fresh outlook on life with you as their Lord and Saviour. Thank you for this day, for the joy that is part of Resurrection Sunday. We worship you now and give you all that we have in Jesus' mighty and powerful name. Amen. Well, the band's gonna lead us in a song now, but church, we have to give him a praise and worship of our joyous hearts. It's Easter Sunday. Jesus is alive. He has risen. Let's sing together. Amen. How good is it to know that He is alive, that we have a living hope. Thank you for joining with us today for our Easter Sunday service. Don't forget, if you prayed that prayer today, then make sure you let us know. Contact us so we can get in touch with you, pray for you, send some information to help you. And please do come, join us again next Sunday as we gather together again online. God bless. We look forward to sharing with you again soon. Well, thanks so much for sharing with us today. If you sense God speaking to you, we'd love to help you and encourage you. And you can let us know by emailing prayer at bridgman.org.au or going to our website and filling in the prayer response card there, bridgman.org.au forward slash prayer. I also want to mention to you the Alpha Course Online. The Alpha Course has helped millions of people around the world on their journey of faith and answering the questions of life and finding meaning and purpose. If you'd like to be involved with that, you can find the details on our website as well. We have a course starting very soon. Just go to bridgeman.org.au forward slash alpha. Thanks again for sharing with us. We pray God's blessing for you and look forward to sharing with you again soon.